Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creedon. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be starting a new series on what sits at the heart of Bold Speak Ministries, and that is the gospel. How the gospel has the power to overcome so many struggles in our lives. And I'm blessed to have a very special guest for this episode as my wife joins me to get things kicked off. All that coming your way as we give them the bold speak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bold Speak podcast. Uh, very glad that you could be with us as we get into this new series about the gospel, um, how the gospel overcomes so many of the things that we struggle with in our life. And, and that's a big focus for Bold Speak Ministries and something that uh, we wanted to make sure that we addressed and tackled very well. And so we did this series and came up with the series as a means by which to, to help you to understand what we mean when we talk about living the gospel and, and the power of the gospel. Uh, and as you also heard in the introduction to the uh, to the podcast here, I am joined by my incredible and wonderful and amazing wife who is scowling at me for all of the compliments I am heaping upon her. Hello, my dear. Hello. <laughs> how how are you this fine evening? I am doing well. Good, good. Um, I really, honestly, am, am so happy to have her here. Um, and I'll talk about this more as we continue to go on, but she is someone to me that I think really emulates the gospel um, in my life and uh, is just someone that I'm very happy to to have walk alongside me uh, through through all of this stuff. So um, she's looking at me like I am just being super cheesy right now, and, and maybe I am, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to just give uh, the people who are listening to the podcast a little bit of information about who you are um, and kind of a little bit about your journey. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your experiences in ministry? You've been in ministry in, in some way, shape, or form for, for several years now. Um, and talk a little bit about that. You you graduated Concordia um, with family life education. You were a double major, yeah? Yes. Right? Um, and that was, what was that again? That was... In family life and psychology. Family life and psychology, right. So, um, so you finished with family life and psychology and then ended up jumping into ministry. Um, and talk a little bit about that experience. So I was in ministry for about nine years um, at various congregations and then did I worked for a nonprofit that trained in family life education. Um, I focused on family ministry in both of the congregations, um, training and equipping parents and families to be faith formers of their children, um, leading high school youth group, teaching confirmation, um, leading parent Bible studies. Yeah, so a lot of faith formation kind mm -hmm. of a stuff. And, and really in both capacities, whether you were right. in congregational ministry or working for the nonprofit, you were still invested in faith formation of families and, and how they communicate together within kind of the Christian household. Correct. Yeah, so uh, so I feel like that's that's very helpful in, in terms of this conversation because I think the, the, the root or the heart of the gospel and how it influences us um, comes largely from the, the, the kind of the places where we are and, and the places where we encounter people and and um, do a lot of that faith formation, which obviously, as you saw quite a bit, happens um, with a family. Um, and that's mm -hmm. where I've experienced a lot, uh, you know, within our family and, and kind of how we communicate that. Um, and so I think that's, that's really helpful. So I appreciate that. Um, all right, so kind of jumping into this, I think, to, to introduce a, a lot of kind of what we're getting at and, and 
and why this is so important to talk about um, the gospel overcoming these struggles. I, I have felt, and, and I don't know, um, honey, if you've kind of felt this or seen this, I think we've had a lot of conversations about this, but that there's a struggle in the Christian church uh, to make sense of where the gospel fits in our lives. And, and a lot of the struggle comes from, I think, many times it's presented very academically, um, right. almost mostly academically. You know, we'll talk about it from a pulpit. We'll talk about it in a Bible class. But, you know, where do we see the gospel actually becoming a part of our life and, and really kind of weaving itself into the ways that we, we live our life? And, and so, you know, this whole podcast series is the result of conversations that you and I have had um, about how this is, this is somewhat lacking um, in the church now. Um, and so somebody has to say something, right? We have to have a conversation about this so that we can get ourselves to a point where we're living the gospel, um, and not just talking about it. Right. Um, so, so to, to kind of get into that a little bit more, um, and, and talk about how, um, the gospel sort of works in our lives. The first question that I want to kind of throw out there for us to discuss is, is really that where have we seen that? Where have we seen the gospel, um, work in our lives? Um, I've seen this a lot. Um, I've seen this from, I would say, you know, when, when I think about who has represented the gospel in my life, there are lots of people, um, from a personal standpoint, um, obviously my parents and my family, um, have shown me a lot of grace and a lot of love. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the person in my life personally that is, has shown me that the most is, is probably you, my wife, uh, Ashley. Um, you know, I, I went through a lot of difficult things, uh, a lot of things that I struggled with um, several years ago, and um, it, it was difficult on me. Um, it, 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 it created problems for me and how I was able to, to pursue ministry. Um, and during that time, um, you know, a lot of people said that, you know, they, you know, are praying for me or said something along the lines of, you know, I hope everything works out for you or, you know, God is with you. But there were people that were genuinely with me, and, and you were one of them, um, you know, that you had regular contact with me and reached out to me and were intentional um, about talking to me. And it, it showed me love rather than people just telling me, you know, like, you know, God's with you. And that was kind of the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really important to me. You know, other people from a ministerial side, um, uh, David Languish, uh, the pastor at Bethlehem in Lakewood, Colorado, he was incredible to me. Um, he's a person that really allowed me to continue to pursue ministry and continue to do what I feel that I'm gifted to do and able to do um, in, in spite of the mistakes that I had made and, and a lot of the, the, the difficulties and, and things I was struggling with. So um, that was important. Uh, a lot of the staff at Bethlehem were, were very gracious um, and loving to me. So for me, that's, that's a place where I've seen the gospel at work, right? Not just something that was talked about, but something, um, that was shown to me. Um, and that's, that's me. What, uh, what about you, Ashley? What do you, what have you seen? How have you seen the gospel at work? Yeah, I, I think I would echo the, the, the statement that, you know, it, we display it within our marriage. Um, I think that, uh, the person that I see the gospel emulated through the most is you. Um, I think that you have taught me the most that 
uh, of anybody, um, what the gospel is, what the gospel truly means, um, what it means to extend grace when it's not deserved, what it means to show mercy in those moments where I'm being horrible or, you know, <laughs> which, which isn't a lot. Don't, don't get us wrong. It's, it's not like we're saying like, we're, we're so mean to each other all the time. And so that's why we see the gospel a lot. But, um, right, but right. yeah, yeah, no, I, I would echo that. Fair point. Fair yeah. point. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and growing up, I, I grew up with two incredible parents and, yeah. and brother and, um, you know, definitely saw it there Sure. my whole life. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah no, definitely in those two places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, knowing your parents and having to gotten uh, gotten to know them more um, as our relationship has continued to evolve over the years and and then into marriage, I would I would echo that. I think your parents are um, excellent examples of of kind of gospel love and and mm-hmm. um, the kind of grace and forgiveness and and seeing sort of the transformative power um, of the gospel and 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 that's I think. Uh, that's really kind of the thrust of what we're talking about here is the the transformative power of the gospel. Right. The, the, the gospel genuinely does something. And, you know, and that's been a concern. And some of you who've been listening to the podcast have heard me say this or, you know, been to or attended a class that I've been at. And it's something I say a lot, but I think it needs to be repeated is, you know, the, the, the moment that the church stops believing or acting like the gospel genuinely has the power to change people's lives is, is the day we should just pack it in and go home. Um, you know, that's kind of what we're all about. Um, I think that's very biblical. Uh, I think that's everywhere uh, throughout Scripture and the way that you see Jesus and, and many others sort of interact with folks. And that's going to take us to, I think, um, some of the Scripture passages and, and places in the Bible where we see this, um, uh, again, I guess, most clearly. Um, the first is in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, and, and Ashley's going to read that for us. Um, as it gives us, I think the, one of the most clear examples of what we're talking about in terms of the gospel isn't necessarily something that's just to be talked about, but something that's to be lived out. Um, so this is first John three, 16 to 18. Okay. It says this, by this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. All right, so this idea that love is an action, right? That it's not just um, something that we say. It actually reminds me uh, of a conversation we had way back when on our first Valentine's Day, (laughs) um, which you're probably tired of me bringing this up. Uh, This is something else I talk about a lot. Um, And and, and it was, you know, it... It was a profound moment for me, um, the conversation that we had. So, why don't uh, you want to you want to relay those details of that, <laughs> that infamous first Valentine's Day that I talk about a lot? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So our our first Valentine's Day together, and I'm not a super huge, you know, into Valentine's Day right. kind of oh, a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I expected like. Something. At least something. Yes, <laughs> right. yes. So I, I, I woke up that morning and I got a text that said good morning. <laughs> and, a little, I bet a and, little bit and more and than that, didn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> no, okay, maybe, it didn't. You, maybe it's I, better when I tell the story. <laughs> shine a little bit better light on myself. That was... Yeesh. But yeah, sorry, continue. But it was... I mean, maybe there was more. But it was... It was 
It was scarce. Scarce, yeah. yeah. So we uh, we talked that evening, and you know, I was I was disappointed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and again, not because I I didn't get flowers in the mail or you know sure. whatever, right. I, because I I any opportunity I think to tell your loved ones and show your loved ones how much you love them mm-hmm. is a is a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know, Valentine's yep. Day, take it or leave it. It is what it is. Sure, but it, it's a it's a moment and an opportunity to to share your love with people. Yeah, I mean, however you feel about Valentine's Day, regardless of whether you, you know, practice it or not, it's still nice to have a day set aside, designated to, to, right, to make sure right. you tell people you love them and show people that you love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, you know, that's that's kind of what my expectation was. And, right. and we had a conversation at the end of the day and um, I, I, I was not thrilled. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> And, and that conversation was basically just that, you know, I, I, I know that you love me. I know that, you know, you, you say that you love me, but you haven't taken any opportunity yet today to, to show me that. To show you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that for me was uh, profound and, and I, I, I'm showing a little bit of vulnerability here as I say that because I... I look back at that and say that should not have been as profound as it was, you know, <laughs> like I, it shouldn't have been something that was sort of a light bulb moment for me, but, but it was. And, and I think I'd gotten caught in a, in a bit of a rut. And, and part of that is I, I think a little bit, and we've talked about this before, a little bit of the, the love language thing in, in my house growing up, um, we, we didn't have a lot of opportunity of, of ways to, to really kind of show love by buying gifts or things like that, but it was very vocal. Um, and so in my family, you know, you know, words of affirmation were a big thing. So when my dad said, I loved you, um, when he says, you know, I love you, that was, that was enough for me to go, okay, yeah, y- you love me. Um, there were acts of love. I just didn't register it. You know, it wasn't something that really occurred to me. So when we got to this Valentine's Day and, you know, I had expressed my love, but that was all I had done and, and really didn't do much else to show you that I loved you. That was um, that was a moment uh, for, for <laughs> me to have a little come to Jesus about that, that, that love is, is not an idea it's an action well and along with you know anything you can you can say one thing and act in a different way right you know your actions are what what proves your true feelings uh, right generally uh, you know, precisely generally. no absolutely well said uh yeah and that's the thing I, I think yeah with anything um you can say one thing but your actions will show kind of what you truly believe in and where you truly are in those mm-hmm. things and and you know to to kind of hit the point on the on the gospel the, the the gospel works the same way and that's really the point that that John is making here is that the act of love is actually what communicates love not just saying you know I love you and, and James gets to this too right when he's talking mm-hmm. about um you know when you see the the man on the street who is who's hungry and naked for you to say you know go you know eat and be, be clothed right. yeah, and then walk away <laughs> isn't exactly doing anything for him right except for reminding him of what he doesn't have so you know it can even be detrimental to speak words of love and not show it because there can mm-hmm. be this strange juxtaposition of like i i feel like love should be coming my way but it's not and it can build resentment so it can right. be almost um damaging to speak words of love 
and and right. not receive them uh, or, or, or just receiving spiritual platitudes that right. don't actually address the need or the the situation exactly exactly and 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 a lot of what we're talking about here is because i think at least in my experience i have seen the gospel used as a platitude uh, like mm-hmm. you said right. um people just saying like you know well god is with you and it's almost like you know god is with you I won't be. I've got other things to do. <laughs> right. Like I have other things that are more important. Um, you know, but God is with you. As and long as I say this, I feel better. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I and, can leave you now. <laughs> right. Check. Like I've I've done it. Like I've shown you the gospel because I've right. told you God is with you. Um, rather than realizing that the way that God is with us is through the people around us. Mm-hmm. That's how he he shows love. And so um, there is this this I think real sense about the gospel that is in in many ways disregarded in the church. And that's what we're trying to talk about is the gospel when it's lived out in the lives of people, then we see its genuine power to to overcome a lot of the things we struggle with. And and throughout this series, we're going to talk about, you know, how we, uh, how the gospel can overcome fear, um, how the gospel can overcome anger and how the gospel can overcome shame. Um, Three things that I think are, are really pivotal um, in people's lives and cause Driving a lot of strife. Driving forces for yeah. a lot of cultural decisions and yeah. social decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and yeah, a lot of people kind of get their struggles from fear, anger, and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe many times not even realizing that that's what's sort of sitting underneath. Right. Um, so so talking about that and, and, and how the gospel sort of overcomes things, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, John 16, 33, um, which was my confirmation verse, um, kind of growing up. And it's been a verse that's been very important to me. Um, you know, where Jesus says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but be brave. I have overcome the world. And, and the idea that the, the hope that is in that, um, is that Jesus has overcome the world. But that's not, again, that's not just an idea, right? When Jesus overcame the world, he genuinely came to earth to die and rise again to overcome sin. Like his act of gospel love to overcome sin was an action, not just God coming down and being like, I got this. Right. You're good. Right. Bye. Um, yeah. So, so it was an action. And I think that's, that's really important to remember um, that that it's not just like a hey Jesus died for me I don't have to be afraid anymore yay you know in that kind of platitude sort of a way, um, but he literally came in and did something and I think that's that's part of what makes this conversation and this dialogue different is because it's it's a totally different thing when you're staring fear in the face and 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 you have to genuinely deal with this you know particular thing. Right when you're when you're dealing or, or working through anger um, over a situation, or you're you're dealing with shame in some way, um, when people show you the gospel, when they're genuinely there for you, that that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, speaking of that, um, a lot of times, you know, as we get further into this, um, we're going to talk about the the offense that this can sometimes cause. And and one of the reasons why I, I personally think we, we as the church sort of struggle with this um, is because living the gospel in the lives of the people who genuinely need the gospel can be very offensive. Um, it can be offensive insofar as 
you know, when we show love to people that the world believes to be unlovable, um, when we care for people um, beyond what seems reasonable to people or, or what people are comfortable with, that's when it starts to become a problem um, mm-hmm. for, for people. And, and I feel like and it's hard to, to, to take that backlash in front of other people too. Right. So it's it's easier, you know, I think in a lot of cases it's easier to shrink back and to to not step out boldly in right. faith in those moments. Right. And to show people genuine love and, and the gospel. Right. Yeah, when it's when it's a platitude, it's it's so much easier. <laughs> right. right? Like, Absolutely. If, Again, if, I can I can tell you that God's with you and then right. walk away and right. it's great. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> um, we're good. Yeah. And, and and so yeah, when you when you show that love to somebody, when, you know, and I'm I'm reminded, you know, I I when I was teaching high school, um, you know, I was engaging with students on a regular basis and and I remember, you know, a particular incident um when uh you know remember jared fogel the the subway guy um yeah got all, all right got into all kinds of trouble um with like child pornography and a whole bunch of other things and, right. and and you know there's there's no question that the stuff that he was involved in was was wrong it was deeply sinful um it ruined the man's life um and and so you know he eventually was arrested and placed in prison or whatever and then it wasn't long, maybe a couple of years after, um, that an article came out that he got like severely beaten in in prison, and and I heard students t- speak along the lines of like, "Haha, he deserved it," like almost like that was a good thing, like there was almost like a, a sense of joy behind that, um, and and that really just hit me the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know because you know, whatever you think about, you know, the guy and obviously, yeah, there was deep sin there, but you want and you hope for change, right? Right. You you hope that the gospel has an opportunity to do something. You hope that, you know, people change in their lives. And and I, I don't think there's ever a situation where, you know, the people who have committed even some of the most heinous crimes where we should be pleased to see them suffer more. Right. Um, and that that just sort of struck me. But when I said something, I, I got looks like, how, how can you even say that? What he did was horrible. And those were opportunities. And that in particular was an opportunity that I had to, to talk to them about, you know, guys, that's that's not who we are as people, right? That's not, we're not the kind of people as the Christian church who just kind of sits there and goes, well, you know, I, I take great delight in someone else's misery, even a sinner's. Right, right. Um, so that that it's, just kind of it's never me. an okay situation to wish ill on somebody, uh, right? Regardless of what they've done, of what I they've mean. done, yeah. yeah. And and so it's you know that kind of stuff that I think um, makes you sort of pause and think about you know what it means to live the gospel, what it means to to love the unlovable. And and I'm reminded of um, a particular section of the Bible that has always really struck me um, in regard to this, and and that's Luke seven. Um, Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. And this is um, the interaction that he has, uh, that Jesus has with Simon the Pharisee. Um, and this is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, 
He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. He said, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, one of the things I, I love about this particular narrative is a lot of the interplay between Jesus and Simon, right? There's this mm -hmm. a whole situation where Simon invites him in, and it, it appears that Simon sort of hasn't invited him in to have um, an opportunity for, for discussion, right? And Simon wants to hear what Jesus has to say to kind of see if if his claims uh, of his messiahship or his claims of uh, who he is as God are true. And so Simon's looking for the academic, right? Right. And then in walks this woman who is a, a sinner. And, and typically in situations like that, what we're to read when there's a woman of the city uh, who comes in as a sinner is likely she was a prostitute, mm -hmm. right? So she comes in and, and she brings this alabaster oil and she's wiping his feet with her tears and, and, and doing all these incredible things. And, and Simon's sort of looking at her and thinking to himself, like, if this guy is who he says he is, right? If he is the religious guy, if he's the holy guy, how could he let this happen? And the, the interaction between Jesus and Simon here is, is the part that I think is, is, is fascinating. And it's this, right? So when, when you enter into someone's home at this time, there's several things that you would be doing, right? And, and three things specifically. First is you would offer them some sort of wash basin to wash their feet, right? Because they're not wearing shoes. So um, they would need to wash their feet. The second thing you would do is because people didn't shower all the time, um, you would provide them some sort of a fragrant oil, right? To help everybody smell better while you're kind of sitting in a closed room, right? And then the, the last thing is you would greet them with a kiss, right? So there was a kind of formal greeting and, and the, the kiss was sort of like a handshake, right? So it was a kind of a formal greeting. And what Jesus explains to Simon is, I have been here and you have done none of these things. You haven't offered me anything to wash my feet. You haven't offered me any oil. You haven't given me a kiss or kind of formally greeted me. Yet this woman, who doesn't necessarily belong here, she's jumped in and kind of invaded this time and this space. And she has washed my feet with her tears, right? And anointed them with the, the, the oil in this flask, right? And, and she has not stopped kissing my feet. So what she has brought to the table, as opposed to you, Simon, is she showing that she believes who I am by what she does. And she's not waiting to hear my words to judge whether or not 
I am who I say I am. And so the, the assessment here is done on the basis of actions more than words. Yeah, absolutely. And because of what Jesus has done and his love towards others, it, it gave her the courage to approach Jesus and pursue repentance. Right. I think that's how, in this situation, the gospel overcame her shame. Right. And it's a great example of how the gospel actually overcomes yeah, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, she was able to overcome the shame that she felt that that society was sort of placing upon her mm-hmm. uh, because of what she saw Jesus doing, right? There wasn't anyone who wasn't noticing that Jesus was going after the people that no one else was, right? Right. The marginalized. And so her seeing that over and over probably gave her the courage to, to, I mean, to literally burst into this guy's home and, and start treating Jesus as if he actually was who he says he was. Right. And the the crazy thing is, is they didn't even know at that time, the extent of the gospel that we know now. Right. Yeah. And and it was life changing. Right. Yeah. Just seeing what he had done for people that no one else was doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the, the contrast between the religious men like Simon who walked around and wanted to lay their authority for religious claims on on their words, right? Mm-hmm. What they said and how smart they were as a teacher, which is exactly what Simon wanted to figure out, right? I'm going to test this guy and kind of see what he has to say. Right. And then in burst this woman who all she did was she saw who Jesus was as a man and, and saw who he was within the community, someone who showed love rather than mm-hmm. talked about God's love. And, and it changed her life. Right. Um, so she finds herself in, in Simon's house doing all these things because she believes in who he is uh, by showing love. And, and I think that's that's really what we're kind of getting to. That is that is a perfect example of how the gospel overcame her shame. Um, you know, the gospel overcomes all sorts of things. And, and this is what we're going to be talking about over the course of this this podcast. Um, we get three more episodes on this. And, and the first thing we're going to deal with is is fear. So, so next week we're going to talk about, um, the idea of the gospel overcoming fear and, and, you know, things like cancel culture and, 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 you know, the, some of these ideas where we think it's just easier to, to fire someone than it is to sort of rehabilitate them and kind of walk through these things and kind of stick with them. And, you know, that's just one example, uh, one example of, of where you see this, um, is, is kind of in this cancellation stuff and, and kind of abandoning of reconciliation, um, and, and reinstatement of people, kind of bringing them back into the fold of the community. Right. And we're also going to be talking about how the gospel overcomes anger. Um, I think yeah. a lot of times, uh, I, I just feel like we live in a very angry world uh, right, right yeah. now. Um, I mean, just five minutes on social media. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Everybody uh, is angry about, yeah, something, about something, and it's, it's bullying, and it's pitting somebody against another or, right. you know, lashing out about one thing or another. Um, you know, and I think we, a lot of times the the world seems to think that eliminating certain hot button issues will avoid conflict altogether. Right. And, and prevent anger from arising. But eliminating those things is, is what spurs on a lot of times those, <laughs> right. those inappropriate outbursts of anger. Right, right. Yeah, um, when we like, when we take stuff away... Uh, you know, that people are passionate about, it just makes them more angry. Right. Uh, rather than kind of teaching people how to address some of these things. Right, right. And having constructive dialogue, yeah. Yeah, if people don't get practice appropriately addressing that conflict, then 
they don't know how to deal with it going forward. Right. There. Exactly. No, I, yeah, that's a great point. And I think something that we want to make sure we're going to, we're going to touch on a lot when we, when we deal with anger. Uh, last thing we're going to deal with is, is shame. Um, we're going to talk about how the gospel um, overcomes shame. And, and, and I feel like, you know, this kind of huge. Yeah. This one's a huge one. Yeah. In tow with, with the ideas about anger, you know, this, this idea of, and you see this in a lot of progressive movements, you know, like an woke and, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, you, you see, this, this idea of like, you know, uh, it's almost a competition. I'm going to be more progressive than you. Right. Uh, I'm going to be more this. And if, and if you are not this, if you don't understand this, if you're not on board with these things, like that's ridiculous. And how can you even function in society? Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of shaming um, that, that keeps people from engaging with each other. And, and so it, it's these three things um, that we're going to deal with, fear, anger, and shame. Because, it, you know, in the conversations that we've had, these are the things that I feel like get in the way the most of, of living gospel lives. Um, mm-hmm. and, and things that, that the gospel genuinely overcomes. And, and that's, that's sort of the crux of this thing. And, and as we go forward, you know, we're going to be pitting the gospel up against fear, anger, and shame. Um, as to which of these, right, the gospel or fear, anger, and shame, which of these genuinely creates change? And, and pointing out that, that the, the, the irony here um, is that we should know that it's the gospel, but often the gospel is like the last thing we <laughs> right, get to right. in order to, to, to bring about change. We, we will use fear, anger, and shame before we use the gospel. And, and, and hopefully the idea is as we get toward um, the end of this series, we'll have framed out for you, uh, the listeners, how you can live a gospel life that overcomes these things and, and genuinely um, bring about the change that God desires and how God uses each of us um, to do that uh, as we as we live gospel lives. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, we thank you so much for, for joining us here. And again, I thank my lovely, beautiful, and wonderful, and tremendous <laughs> wife uh, for being on the show and joining us. And um, she's really incredible, and I'm, I'm glad she's joining me for this series. And I think um, you'll learn a lot from her as well. As, as I'm excited to be joining you. Yeah, <laughs> as I have. Um, so I, I appreciate you being here. Um, as always, uh, make sure you follow us. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash The Bold Speak, or you can find us online at www.theboldspeak.com. Uh, that's where you can find um, links to this podcast, previous podcasts, uh, some of the stuff we have educationally up uh, on YouTube. And on there, you can also purchase some of the study guides that help to support to continue this ministry. And so I invite you to look into those as well. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we will see you. Uh, and until then, let's give them the bold speak.